Oh, yeah. How does that fit in to a cohesive, larger vision? We will always have enough cash yeah. around. Strictly business. Business. Just business. Hello, finance fiends, and welcome to CFO Year, your new favorite finance podcast. I'm Patrick, and I have the pleasure of speaking to the world's most interesting finance leaders. Today, we're bringing you the live recording of our CFO Connect event with Catherine Clark. Catherine is an executive mentor and former CFO who helps finance leaders unlock their potential and excel in their roles. She also operates as lead mentor for Grow CFO, a community run by finance leaders for finance leaders, just like CFO Connect. In this fascinating live Q&A, she spoke with my colleague Alejandra about the very real issue of imposter syndrome for CFOs and how to excel as a business leader. Today's episode is brought to you by Spendesk, the all-in-one spending solution that puts finance teams in control with 100% visibility into company spend. And by CFO Connect, a global community for finance leaders. Join us at cfoconnect.com and you can email podcast at cfoconnect.com with any questions or feedback. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first CFO Connect event of 2022 and our first ever Leadership Ask Me Anything session here. We're here with Catherine Clark. She's an executive mentor and former CFO, and Catherine will introduce herself in just a moment. Now, a quick introduction from me before we jump in. My name is Alejandra. I'm on the community team at CFO Connect. I'm based in Paris, like I mentioned earlier. And CFO Connect is a global community of finance leaders. And as a finance community, we host events and workshops like this one. We have a private Slack group for CFOs. We produce a wonderful podcast called CFO Yeah, and many more things. If you're not already a CFO Connect member, please do join us. And CFO Connect is created by Spendesk, which is a seven-in-one spend management solution, which was built and designed specifically for modern finance teams. So what's great about Spendesk is that employees can spend what they need, wherever they are, and finance stays in complete control and has visibility over everything that's spent. So this is a real game changer for finance teams. And if you would like to learn more about Spendesk, head straight to spendesk.com. And without further ado, once again, we're here with executive mentor, Catherine Clark. Catherine, please tell us about yourself and about your background. Yeah, sure. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, welcome, everyone. I'm really delighted to see such a global audience. Um, and I really hope you enjoy this session. It is going to be interactive. Um, I'm going to share some insights and we're going to go through some different things. But please feel free to ask any questions you'd like to. And in the time we have, we'll do our best to um, to provide some answers there. Um, yeah, so by way of introduction, I'm Catherine Clark. I'm a former CFO um, and an experienced board director as well. I've, I've worked for over 20 years in a multitude of organizations. And I now focus really all of my attention on, on mentoring and professional mentoring and really helping sort of leaders um, and particularly finance leaders just unlock that potential to be the best leader they can be. Um, I mean, just sort of, you know, segueing into this session, um, you know, my own experience as a CFO showed me sort of firsthand, you know, how important it, it is and was really to maintain my sort of personal energy and resilience, to deal with the daily pressures 
and responsibilities of the role. Um, and also to work on my own confidence, because all those years ago when I first joined the board, you know, that was more of a challenge um, to actually feel an equal part of the board um, and to really feel like I was contributing fully to all discussions. Um, I was expected to, but you know, as a junior member of the board at that point, well, not a junior member, but feeling more junior, um, it was difficult to fully find my voice at that point. Um, and, and you can imagine in that scenario, and I'm sure you're all in the same place, we had to make important decisions frequently. So I really did have to sort of believe in my contribution, so have that confidence, um, maintain my focus, my clarity, my breadth of perspective um, to help us make the best decisions to move forwards. Um, so as I say, I'm now a professional mentor for finance leaders, for CFOs, and also for other C-suite directors. Um, I'm a lead mentor for an organization called Grow CFO, um, which is a community, it's, it's run by finance leaders for finance leaders uh, with a real passion behind it for enabling you know finance leaders to excel in their roles um, and to motivate and create those positive cultures um, that encourage collaboration and, and more importantly value creation for the organization and I also run their six-month CFO program there as well so I'm sort of engaging daily uh, with CFOs and, and other directors um, and I just want to say up front if there's any more detail you need on any of these things we're talking about today there are many resources, whether it be podcasts or video recordings of different things I've done on these topics um, that are all available on the Grow CFO website. So growcfo.net um, if you want to delve in a bit more detail. Um, but certainly that, you know, some of the biggest challenges I see are around lack of confidence or feeling like being an imposter, which you're going to go into a bit more detail on, and people feeling overwhelmed with the associated stress and anxiety that brings. Um, and um, and certainly, you know, feeling that way, and I will concentrate today on how you feel, but certainly feeling that way does affect your self-belief um, and can narrow your focus and, and perspective um, and, and your ability to sort of think more broadly or think creatively. Um, and often that sort of busyness um, really doesn't mean that people allow themselves enough time to look after themselves and allow sufficient recovery time. So. Um, and just briefly, alongside that, I'm also a director and trustee of Mind Apples, which is a charity that helps people look after their minds. Uh, we work with schools and universities and communities there. And um, so this whole area around sort of being a great CFO, being a sort of, you know, maintaining your resilience and looking after the mind are all areas I'm particularly passionate about. Um, and I feel like they all come together to sort of create what I would think is a sort of true, impactful, influential and, and also fulfilled leader that is a necessity, I believe, and also provides huge value to organisations. Um, so, you know, it, it really is a case of, um, you have to role model sustainable behaviours as a leader um, to enable other people to also look after themselves. Um, and I hope you don't mind that. I'm just going to ask, can I ask a couple of questions in the chat just to get us started as well? Um, the, the answers are yes or no. So it's, it's very, very simple to start with. But do you feel successful? That's the first question. Um, do you feel energised and focused most days? So we're getting quite a few mixed um, yeses and nos, <laughs> um, yeah, and then quite a lot of nos, which is, um, yeah, imposter syndrome sneaks in, generally yes, sometimes. 
I think I, 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 I'm interesting. I quite like the, the word sometimes because it is good that it's sometimes and not no, but um, it just shows there's more potential to feel even better. And that's really the objective here um, to really feel like you're operating at your best. Um, thank you for responding on that. Um, and um, I just want to start again by saying, I think, I know I asked the question, do you feel successful? I, I would hope um, you all know that you're already already successful. Um, you know, by the time you become a finance leader or CFO, then clearly you've put in so much effort um, and work to get to that place that, you know, everyone has their own definition of success. But I just want to say um, everyone is already successful. And that's the place I'd like to start from. Yeah, absolutely. And so besides maybe sometimes not feeling su successful, despite the very incredible and impressive um, roles that most of our community members are in, um, what are the other big personal challenges that CFOs face as business leaders? Can you give us kind of a lay of the land? What are the major challenges uh, that our community members are probably facing themselves? Yeah, I mean, I agree. There is actually normally quite a long list. And, and I like the word personal challenges because we're not really focusing here on the technical components of a role. It's it's the other side. It's the people side of the role that actually becomes even more important as you become a leader of an organisation. Um, so through the mentoring that I do, also the Gross, Gross CFO did a survey and we sort of check in each week on a sort of group mentoring basis. And, and certainly the top personal challenges that come through um, are imposter syndrome and, and a lack of confidence in, in some way, either internally or externally. Um, the second one tends to be a lack of thinking time or certainly feeling overwhelmed uh, with tasks on, on probably a daily basis. Um, the list goes on. Um, I also think, and it comes through a lot, although people don't always admit to it, is a lack of personal energy, anxiety and stress. Um, and that plays a big part um, in certainly the mentoring that I do. Um, there's certainly studies out at the moment or research showing stress and, and certainly the symptoms of burnout are on the rise. And, um, you know, and there is a cost. Uh, there is a cost attached to this, sometimes hidden in the short term, um, but don't, both to the individual who, who's suffering it, but also to an organisation of not taking it seriously. I think, I think that's right. And a lot of these topics are can be difficult to talk about. I think there is probably some shame surrounding a lot of these issues and that makes it really difficult um, to talk about this in the open. So that's why I'm really glad that we can dive in with you today and just really get deep into the subject that we probably don't expose enough. So I wanna talk about imposter syndrome because that's one that I um, have been hearing a lot about lately. Nice. And I'm wondering, does this affect from the research that Grow CFO has conducted and from what you've seen in your experience, does this affect all levels of all levels of seniority and experience, or is it really for new or young CFOs? Uh, what have you seen so far? Yeah, so so firstly, no one is alone if you have these thoughts. So feeling so imposter syndrome is connected to thoughts around um, I am not good enough or I am not worthy of this success or, um, you know, maybe I'm not as good as my executive or my board colleagues. Um, it's quite negative thinking, um, but you're definitely not alone with those thoughts. So research does show that the majority of people feel like an imposter 
at some point in their lives. Um, so the feelings can be there all the time or they can come and go with um, you know, different experiences or different roles. Um, so to answer your question, I think it can affect anyone. Um, I would say that, that obviously if you're new into a role, um, a less experienced CFO, you may feel it more than if you've had more experience down the line because you just will have seen more um, be used to more people, the dynamics of, of the sort of board environment, um, but it can definitely affect everyone. Um, and it, you know, it is, it, I call it a problem, but it can be a problem, but it's one that's definitely worth sharing and, and worth solving. Um, because if you think about those feelings, the moment your mind is thinking, I'm not good enough here, you show up in a very different way to if you have that self-belief of I deserve to be here. And, and it takes a lot of emotional energy um, to deal with those feelings. Um, and it can affect your confidence, your productivity, motivation, influence, and, and arguably limits your potential overall. Right. And that probably reduces your thinking time if you're if you're if you're worrying about how you're performing. And so how does that tie into imposter syndrome? How does that tie into lack of thinking time and overwhelm? Yeah, so they are they are connected because you're um, really if you're got imposter thoughts, um, they may not feel stressful, but inside that's what you're telling your subconscious. Um, so so the sort of connection is here that, you know, what you're actually thinking now um, in relation to your intelligence, your skills, your competence, or in comparison to your peers. Um, those thoughts we're having affect our emotions and our behaviours. Um, but I want to sort of start here by saying you can change how you think. Um, you know, we are actually not our thoughts. Um, and we have to start sort of looking at the evidence we have to support these thoughts. Um, so the first step is um, a bit like self-awareness. Um, and and I'll, I'll go on to this in a bit more detail with all of the areas, but that self-awareness of what thoughts am I having? You know, how is that actually impacting how I operate day in, day out? Um, and to help start reframing those negative thoughts um, and, to, and to catch them. It's almost like catching what you're thinking, observing yourself and catching them and choosing to react to them in a different way. So what you're doing is trying to change your belief system. So you're thinking, I am not good enough to something new. And it's a really nice exercise, which I don't think, I don't want to spend a lot of time, but it's called the thought ladder. Um, I did a podcast on imposter syndrome on the Grow CFO show. Take a look. It, it just takes you through a few steps as to how you can reframe your thinking um, into a slightly more sort of positive mindset. Um, and, and basically it's around combining thinking differently with behaving differently. Um, and then our experience of situations can be quite different. And certainly the outcomes from sort of doing it and, and, and actually making the effort to spend time on, on, on imposter syndrome and your thoughts around it can really help with your self-assurance, your self-belief. Um, you hopefully will approach things very differently um, and, and also take things less personally. So it becomes quite empowering. Um, yeah. I mean, it, should I feed it into the sort of overwhelm? Because I know that was part of your question as well. But <laughs> um, um, the overwhelm is is often connected with um, stress or, or certainly causes additional stress. 
Um, now, we know that some stress is beneficial to performance, so I don't want to overlook some of the more positive sort of stress, but um, you sort of have to understand your own optimal point before you go over the edge, and there's a stress performance curve that, that sort of assists with that. Um, because the problem is, the moment you go into that sort of slightly more stressful state, um, it, it narrows your focus and perspective. So everything just seems more difficult and you become more emotionally reactive. Um, you're tired, you start things and don't finish um, tasks take longer. I don't know your motivation. Imagine try never getting stuff finished. It's, it's not very motivating. Um, so um, you really have to get time. So whereas we talked in imposter syndrome of getting thoughts on our side, getting our own thoughts on our side, with the feelings of overwhelm, you've got to get time to work on your behalf and not against you. And, and that then starts with the belief of I can and it is possible. So if you think of the connection there with imposter syndrome, you're turning your thoughts around and your belief system. And it's the same with overwhelm. So it's I can do this and it is possible. Because, yeah. you know, if you stay calm, if you can stay calm, the answers are often a lot clearer and you can move forward very purposefully, um, not reactionary to the external environment. Absolutely clearer and probably simpler as well. And I love what you said that we are not our thoughts. And I think that's a really empowering message and true to the core of what we're talking about there. Think you have company cash under control? You may have a process to pay people back, but company spending is so much more than expense claims. Spendesk gives you one system to replace your old-fashioned company cards, track online payments easily, and process supplier invoices faster than ever. Whether you're a growing startup or you've been doing this for decades, it's never too late to upgrade. Graduate from basic expenses to spend management today. Try Spendesk. Why do you think that some of these personal challenges like lack of thinking time and overwhelm and posture syndrome, why do you think they might become more noticeable or more prominent and where do they come from? Where do they stem from or originate in? Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, by the time you get to a leader, you are, you are externally successful, you know, like to sort of people's perception of success. But I would challenge that, by the way. But <laughs> let's just start with the fact that when you get to be a leader, you are certainly successful externally. Um, but you may not have caught up with that, not quite aligned to that position. Um, so it, it's, it's about sort of aligning your feeling, feeling of success with your presentation of it to the outside world um you know as suddenly as a leader you've got a huge range of responsibilities you know you're not just the finance function lead anymore you are a leader of a business um you know you're dealing with multiple stakeholders i mean your team your colleagues external stakeholders it's it's huge um it's exciting by the way as well as huge but it is exciting um and so really you're you're suddenly put in you're suddenly propelled into this sort of position um and, and very visible a very visible position so some of these things that we may have buried for a number of years you know these beliefs that we might have about ourselves or our own confidence suddenly emerge and, and the other factor is that soft skills 
become the, the more dominant uh, success in the role. So whereas we may have actually been highly successful, you know, operating within finance, you know, suddenly as a leader, your soft skills can be actually 80% of the success in a role. That's what research shows. Um, so, you know, that's huge. It's huge. Um, you know, you're suddenly out there communicating, you're visible, you're communicating to large audiences, you know, you're telling the performance story of the organisation. So I, I just mean it all comes to the forefront, really. And, um, and it all requires, I'll be honest, an awful lot of energy, which is why I, I bring so much focus in on, you know, energy management, because it's only when you manage your own energy that you can really fully ignite your own talent and skill as a leader. Yes, and what do you think for you, what are some tips or tricks to really manage your energy and optimize your energy that you that work for you or that you have seen work for others? Well, okay, so I, I could probably talk about this all day. However, let me just give you a few, <laughs> a few pointers. Um, I think, you know, my top one is, is meditation. Now, whether people meditate or not, and, they, and you may not expect me to say that in, in a sort of leadership uh, webinar, but meditation is that time to connect to yourself. I think meditation mm. is the biggest thing that actually helps with your success, but also with an inner calmness, let's say. Um, I think it allows you to take some time out. It allows you to tune in to your intuition, um, which I think is incredibly important as a leader. Um, and just really just take time to listen to what you know your your body your mind is saying to you like what does it need right now that that's the first point um i think when we're talking about like resilience um as i say a degree of stress is normal and and fine um but um you've got to have the right recovery so it's almost like stress plus recovery equals resilience so what does recovery mean for you and um you know, that can be anything. Um, we can talk about it in terms of, well, I, I'm going to just define them just separately, but almost passive self-care, which is, you know, those things that are nice to do for yourself, you know, take yourself for a walk, have a bath, have a have time with friends, anything like that. They're all fantastic. Um, but the other side of it is more active self-care, where um, you actually think about... Um, if I did this, the slightly more difficult things that would actually release some of the energy that I'm holding on to. Um, so doing the thing that is difficult, having the difficult conversation, um, you know, tackling certain things on your to do list that you've been hanging around for a while. Um, have a think about what what you're holding on to if you don't actually do those things that are there. Another one is sort of um, is actually breathing. So to actually bring some breath work in as well. Um, so, you know, particularly uh, sort of breathing into the stomach, um, not allowing yourself to breathe up into the sort of top lungs, but really thinking about stomach breathing because it's incredibly calming for the nervous system. And when you think of how you want to show up as a leader, which I, I would hope <laughs> most people want to show up sort of calm and in control and, you know, people having that confidence in you as a leader. Um, it is important to focus on these things and also clearly good sleep, good nutrition, um, getting fresh air and, and hydration as well. So just making sure you're drinking enough water in the day. Um, I, I like to remind people of these because I think they can get forgotten in the overwhelm. But it, there's productivity gains from investing in yourself. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And I think that's great advice, especially breathing. It's something that, uh, and meditating, you're right that it's maybe something that we don't hear all the time in this context, but uh, it, it is, and I think research shows also it's proven to be one of the most effective um, methods of, of increasing performance and quality of life and all sorts mm -hmm. of things. So great tips there. And I think you're right. Your personal energy is critical to sustainability and success and then how you show up as a leader. So can you talk more about that, about what's important when making an impact as a CFO and showing up as a leader and the way you show up? Yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, you've, you've got to make an impact as a CFO. It's such an important role. And it's primarily around giving others confidence in you and your ability to do that role. When you think about it, you're the financial conscience of the organisation. You're looking after, I'm, I'm being simplistic here, but looking after the money. <laughs> um, so people are looking to you to ensure that the performance of that business is sustainable for the long term. You know, it's their jobs at stake if you don't perform that role well. Um, so again, there's, there's, there's different components of the role. It's a very broad role. Um, and again, if I could just mention Grow CFO here, because they have a competency framework, which just sort of shows it very clearly that the role is in a way uh, sort of broken down into the foundational aspects of a finance leader role. Then the implementation, which includes things like the strategic business partnering. Um, but also the biggest part, I think, in terms of leadership is around impact, uh, which is the area we're talking about today. Um, but you, you really need to focus your efforts on creating more tangible value for your organization, um, you know, creating real value. So, you know, relationships are important, the rapport that you build with people. Um, people it's natural that people will work with you um, easier and, and they'll enjoy it more if they know who you are. Um, it's important to show some vulnerability and there's a lot of good work by Brené Brown out there around vulnerability and connection. Um, incredibly important, you know, you've, you've got to show some vulnerability for people to sort of see who you are um, and to be authentic as you as well. Um, and, and all of this really, I think what I'm saying is there's a lot of factors that come together. There's a lot of real value in, in actually making more of the right decisions for an organization. And you just have to think of the factors that support that process. Absolutely. And it sounds like um, one of those things is just bringing humanness to the CFO role and remembering that CFOs are people and and really connecting with that aspect of the role as well. Yeah, and, and you know, everyone on this call, everyone will have the ability and the capability to do the job. You know, that's a bit of a given. Um, it's the energy you project that will set you apart from other people. So, um, you know, and, and therefore the way you look after your mind, you know, your body, your emotional sort of well-being that keeps you sustainable is, is you investing in yourself as an asset. Um, and, and that's very, very important. Um, and um, yeah, you know, high performance more generally comes from, you know, continual learning and seeking different perspectives and, and being open to sort of feedback and guidance. And um, there's a lot of support out there, I think, but it's, it's worth thinking about who you are and who you want to show up as a leader. And where can you get support if, if that's what you're looking for? Well, I, th I think events like this one are, are, are incredible for doing that. I think, you know, they, they just bring the discussion to a wider level. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, 
Well, I would always say a support from a mentor is incredibly important. I, I think there are different programs of, of group mentoring or different, like, for example, I run the CFA program. That, that's great. Um, very, very beneficial. But I think the, the, the bigger impact comes when you combine that with one to one mentoring. Um, personally, I've always had a mentor um, throughout my career. I have one now even because I, I believe there is always more potential to unlock. And we can't always see it ourselves. So it's very helpful for someone else to hold space for you, um, to listen. I mean, how often does anyone truly listen to you? And, and that's the benefit of mentoring. It just allows you to, you know, say whatever you want to say, um, get the support you need. Uh, you're, you're, <laughs> you're very alone, actually, as a leader, very alone. It's, um, it's quite lonely at the top. So if you can have someone there for you, uh, and particularly someone who's experienced that journey before, it's incredibly supportive. I, yeah, absolutely. I think that's true. And do you think that it helps in any way to, to pay it forward as a mentor that by helping others in their careers? Uh, this can help you even later on in your career overcome some of the self-doubt that we've talked about earlier? Yeah, it's, it's um, yes, <laughs> because I think sometimes, uh, well, as a, as a leader, you know, part of your sort of motivation should be to inspire and teach others along the way. Um, that's certainly been my drive. I feel like I've always learned to share that knowledge. Um, you know, you're helping people overcome challenges that, you know, they may face, you know, maybe quicker, getting through them quicker. You can learn from your own journey and mistakes, but just sometimes you want people to help you jump forward a little bit. Um, and I think mentoring is a bit like a mirror at times. So quite often you're going quite deep, um, but you also see your own, you see something in yourself that you often see in others. And so it is a, you are learning also through other people provided you're taking the space and the time to really listen to what's going on and, and do that self-reflection point I sort of mentioned at the beginning. Mm. Excellent. And I think, I think that's a good point about mentoring, um, especially for people who are dealing with imposter syndrome. If you want to fulfill your potential, you probably need someone to give you a bit of a push uh, in, in that direction. So I think that's great advice to, to seek out support from a mentor who's done this journey before and who has gone uh, through all of these self-doubt questions themselves and, and can probably really help accelerate that progression um, in places where you don't even know possibilities exist. Well, the thing is, you, no one know. you just don't know what you don't know. <laughs> you know, different organisations provide you with different experiences. So you only see what you see. Um, so it's extremely helpful to get other perspectives um, and to be challenged, as you say, be challenged on where you're at, sort of what you know, how you approach a particular scenario. Um, as I say, being able to bring different perspectives to, you know, the multitude of scenarios that arise day in, day out uh, when you're operating at that level is incredibly valuable. And, um, you know, I remember sort of back in my early days on the board, actually, you know, as I say, the mentor I worked with at the time gave me extra confidence. You know, that, that was the role he played. It was nothing particularly to do with, you know, this is what else you need to know. It was giving me the confidence to operate at that level and to operate as best I could. 
and and actually and then over the years I, I learned to then be myself um I think I certainly started off sort of you know trying to fit into the mold of what I thought a board director should be like um I would say it probably took me three years of being on the board to then think hang on a minute yes that that's fine I wasn't being completely not myself but <laughs> I'm now going to show up um as me um as the leader that I want to be so yeah and that that takes vulnerability and yeah. and uh and honesty and and I think that is uh uh an area where leaders are so brave I think it requires uh, a lot of bravery to to lead yeah and I think you know the other just point of the answer to that one is never forget the resources you have around you um it's easy for me to say that and some but sometimes you need to write it down you know who have I got around me that can really give me the uplift you know you want uplifting people around you people who support you but also people who are honest as well um but never get to the point of feeling overwhelmed before you get that support or speak to someone. Um, you know, that's something I would say. Um, and also just think about sort of um, you know, what resources you've got in terms of just yeah, people, the practical resources, um, thinking about how you use your time and how that sort of benefits you. Um, but always know what to tap into if things get too much. And so if we wanted to know one thing that people watching right now can do today or this week to improve their performance or their leadership uh, and get on the right track to ultimately fulfilling their potential? Is there like a micro goal or one small thing that our audience could do today? I'm sure there is. I'm just trying to think about that. I have a lovely quote I can share, which I think sort of sums it up, um, which is that life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. That, that's a quote I love, which I which I think sort of sums it up, really, is that life is full of uncertainty, change. I mean, come and look at the last couple of years, particularly. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of change. And to actually adapt to that and manage that because it's going to be coming up you know daily um you've got to get yourself in the best place so i think if you were to ask me one thing at the moment i would say what for you personally gives you the most energy today you know write a list of genuinely what lifts you in that moment because what you're trying to do is when you look at your day you know, it, from a time management point of view, it's quite nice to segment your day into sort of 90 minute blocks. That's when productivity is, is maximized. But those recovery gaps between those blocks, what can you do to uplift yourself into the next session? Because you've really got to show up, in the, you know, providing you are focusing your time on the things that are most valuable. And as a leader, you've really got to do that. You've got to think, where is my... Where, where can I create the most valuable outcomes? So there's a whole nother discussion on time management and how you manage that. But in its simple form, um, if you've got something in the diary, it should matter. It should be important. So you've got to show up in exactly the right place to bring your knowledge and wisdom and experience into that session. So my challenge to people today is um, one is think about those recovery routines in between. What uplifts you the most? Is it going to get a drink? Is it going for a quick walk? Is it listening to some music? Um, any, anything really. Um, 
And maybe the other part of it is um, just thinking, what can I do today that makes tomorrow better? So focusing on what matters the most today to actually effectively multiply time into the future. That's great advice. Laurence has asked, what uplifts you? Ah, that's, a, oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, I actually, I, 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 that's a com combination of things, actually. I think the thing that uplifts, uplifts me the most is going for a walk with my dog. I love being in the fresh air. I love being out in nature. Um, it, for me, that is actually meditative activity in itself, um, just being out there in, in nature. And um, my, I do my best thinking when I'm outside. Um, so again, it's, it's not always thinking about work is being sat at a laptop in your office or, or at the desk. It's where can I do my best thinking that sort of creates certain, you know, that, that creativity, that creativity in your mind. Now we have a question from Ashley. What have you found to be the best route to finding a mentor? So when you, you mentioned that you have always had a mentor yourself, for a long time and so how did you go about finding a mentor and what do you think the best route is it's a really good question so there are many routes um i so you can okay so mentoring can fall into slightly different buckets let's say for example i can mentor to be a better finance leader um but also more holistically for the person and what you know, what particular support, where are your challenges that you're, what, what are your current challenges? Um, and has that mentor therefore been through that? Do they have direct experience of it? Um, but for me, when I found a mentor, it's the energy connection that's the most important. Um, I think I said at the beginning, I work off my intuition a lot. So um, I, <laughs> I like to go quite deep with people and actually work on what comes up in the session. So I veer away from a set structure. Um, there's sort of tools in the background, but I veer away from a set structure. But maybe you prefer structure. So it's about thinking, um, do I want sort of mentoring as a standalone act, you know, a standalone support? Or do I want it as part of a bigger program where you get a combination of sort of content and mentoring? Um, and, and really, who could best support me in that? Um, so that, yeah. There are different routes, but the energy connection or the chemistry um, is the most important. So do they make you feel comfortable? You know, do you feel you can be open with them? And um, yeah, that's the main things, I think. Absolutely. And Antonia has a good follow up question. How is mentoring different from coaching in your mind? Is there a difference? Yes, there is a difference. There is a difference. Um, a mentor has effectively done the path you're on before. Um, so, you know, I'm sort of mentoring, um, as I say, finance leaders or, or directors more generally, but that's because that's the experience I've had. So mentoring does use some, can, I'm going to say can use some coaching techniques, um, but it's sort of elevated above that by providing the lived experience, I think, is the main, the lived experience of that before. So it's someone who really has been there and done it and will understand the particular challenges that you're facing. So rather than speaking, um, I'm not going to say from a textbook, but <laughs> it's it's lived, lived and breathed experiences. Um, 
But, you know, bearing in mind, each mentor is different. They may have been on a different journey themselves. I've done an awful lot of personal development as well as, um, let's call it business development. So you, you really have to sort of look into each mentor and see the breadth of, of what they bring to the table. Right. And as someone who has spent quite a lot of time at the board level, uh, we have a question from Christoph. He says, the, ch the CFO chickens out first. That's the prejudice. How do you communicate risks, which we know better about than anyone else, without the board thinking you are pessimistic and ignoring your point of view? Really good question. Thank you. Um, right. So I'm, I'm just going to start off by saying you have to, again, sort of see where you what your own risk appetite is so this is common that the cfo is is naturally more risk averse i would say mostly than the rest of the board um however this is something i actually had to learn to adapt to and change a little bit um we naturally come from i think a slightly more risk averse background um it's all around risk and controls and processes and protect the money and protect the assets of the organization when you get to board level there has to be a better balance between risk and opportunity so i had to consciously shift my own risk appetite into a slightly different place um so, yes, of course, you have a role as a CFO, like I said earlier about being the financial conscience and looking after that organisation. That is first and foremost. If you really feel like people are making decisions that um, don't align with that, of course, you have to speak up and, and give your view and, and, and why. Um, but be prepared to think. Also, this is a question that I, I had to ask myself in the end. What's the worst that could happen here? That question served me very well in trying to determine whether a certain decision was as risky as it sounded or whether actually, if you took things slightly more step by step, there was ways of coming back out from it. Um, but the, the, the biggest thing here is around how you create discussion at that level. Um, so it's about always listening to other people's perspectives. I think that can be a challenge as a CFO sometimes, but my main advice in this area is to, if you have, it's fine, everyone has a different opinion quite often on the same thing. That is a fact um, and it will come up all the time. But your key thing here is to listen and to listen and, and really understand the other person's perspective so you can somehow reach a slightly more agreeable way forward in the middle. Great, that's great advice. Now, Shirley, another question. What advice would you give to an introverted CFO working in an environment where there are several quite vocal managers with conflicting goals and agendas, which may or may not be in the financial interest of the firm? How do you get key stakeholders to listen and heed your counsel? Another good question. Um, well, firstly, everyone is who they are. So as I said, this is not about changing who you are. You've just got to show up, um, you know, the best version of yourself. This is, again, quite a normal scenario that you get a mix of introverts and extroverts. My, my first question is, I'm, not, I'm never sure if extroverts are all extroverts. And being an extrovert doesn't necessarily mean confident. So often, and, and again, I'm only talking from my own experience, that, that the more extroverted someone appeared, in actual fact, the more insecure they were. 
So that's worth thinking about if ever you feel a little bit like, oh, everyone else seems to know more than I do, or um, they've got a big voice. Having a big voice um, and appearing confident um, does not equal knowledge necessarily. But it's, it's a not as dissimilar answer from the one before. It's still worth listening. Um, but you've got to know what things you really need to say. So it's about sort of interrupting in some ways when, you know, listen, listen, listen to their viewpoint and then saying, and, and this is my view. So you've got to sort of step in at some point. It's not about creating any kind of aggressive atmosphere or, you know, it's them against me or it's saying I would now like to share my view. But being quite concise, I think, particularly if you're more introverted, just be a little bit more concise. Know the, you know, walk into that meeting knowing what you want to achieve and what outcome you want to achieve. And, you know, maybe have your three key points noted down so that you actually at least walk away from the meeting having shared what you feel are the most important things that people need to know to make a decision. That's great advice. Very interesting what you said about um, extroverts maybe not mm. actually being as confident as they seem. I think uh, mm. there's a lot of truth in that. Another question from Grant. Grant is wondering, what would you say is the number one thing that accelerated your career? Mm. Uh, focus. <laughs> focus. Um, it is really interesting. Um, I don't know if anyone's heard of the law of attraction. It's not something I actually heard of until a lot later on I mean but what, what, what I realized was that in in my early career I just knew I wanted to be CFO I mean you could sort of say why I, I don't know why I think it just seemed to me like the natural progression I was quite determined to sort of be part of a board a leader in an organization but actually with, with a passion or should I say a, a clear purpose to to make cultures better and to actually make them more people focused um to bring that side. So I would say without realizing that I applied that much focus, I think I didn't see, I never saw any other option. So every decision I took was in that direction. And I just, at that point, I actually believed, I just believed I would get there, which <laughs> clearly in hindsight doesn't, it sounds almost a little bit arrogant, but it wasn't arrogant. I was just, at that point, I had the confidence to believe that I would get it and that I could bring value to that role. Um, it's interesting because that's slightly in contrast to when I actually got the board position and I suddenly realized it was quite a big step up. And therefore my confidence was not confidence was knocked again. So I had to rebuild it. Um, and um, as I say, I, 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 well, quite a number of years on from, from that place, um, I now sort of recognize that even in like the mentoring I'm doing now, um, I'm not sure I ever believed I could do mentoring full time. I mean, that seemed ridiculous, but yet I was really focused on that as well. And, and that's what's happening now. So it's about not, not veering away from what you want in life and actually visualizing it. That, that's a key technique um, I've, I've now learned, although I didn't realize at the time I was doing was, was visualizing that future point. Um, you know, visualizing yourself in the role that you want, actually doing it. That, that's a clear technique for um, actually seeing the success that you're creating. Great advice. And so apart from visualizing, 
ourselves in the CFO role. Um, can you tell us a bit more about maybe how, what we can do to get there or maybe what the best route to take is to get there? Because Catherine is asking, how important do you think an FP&A skill set is for people growing into a CFO role? Is that something necessary or what do you think is really necessary skill sets to develop to, to attain the CFO role? So I'm going to start by answering that by saying that every CFO role is different um, and every organization needs something possibly different from a CFO that they have. So although it's a roundabout answer, I think it's about focusing in on what you can I just say focus in on what you love doing first and foremost um, and choosing organizations that you have a real passion about. Um, those two factors are incredibly important. That is what you will, that is how you will achieve success and achieve success in a way that you just love, that feels exciting, that feels rewarding. Because actually having a passion for something naturally gives you a sort of commercial understanding um, in, that, in that organization. You're naturally interested in finding out more, um, you know, being behind their sort of growth plans or whatever it is. Um, more specifically, FPNA clearly is an important skill set and, and, you know, particularly sort of more or more now than ever, maybe um, in that that sort of insight on the organization or performance is incredibly important. Um, however, <laughs> I am going to say, however, the CFA role is so broad that if you don't have a specific skill set, just make sure you have it in your team you know, recruit accordingly, you know, you're looking at a team here, you know, the right people with the right skills. Um, so if you think about the skills and attributes that are needed in a finance team, then ensure that anything that isn't particularly a strength of yours, or maybe you've just not had experience of it, is covered by some other expert within the team. So I don't, I don't feel any of these things should hold you back. It's like aligning what they need to what you bring. And I do see more often than not, and I, and I wish I could stop it sometimes before I see it happening, a misalignment. Now you think what that misalignment does, going right back to the confidence point, if, I, if people don't align what they bring to what an organization needs, suddenly there's a big gap. And when they can't do what's most important in that organization, their confidence starts falling. So you're just looking to bring your most confident self. Um, by the way, I never say just keep learning. Anything that you can learn, keep learning. Um, but sometimes it's not about just, it's not about necessarily, I'll do this role and this role and this role. Um, it's picking up some of the skills from them and possibly learning those along the way. Perfect. Another question from Mathieu. Uh, he is asking, how do you maintain or create a peer network to easily share or ask any questions? outside of Spendesk? <laughs> my, my, my obvious answer there is, is going to be something like Grow CFO, <laughs> which is um, obviously where I said I'm the lead professional mentor there. I mean, that's the objective of Grow CFO was to create a peer network. Um, you know, a lot of finance leaders say they just don't have the, the support available. Um, they don't have the peer group they can tap into. 
you know, to ask anything they want to do. So Grow CFO is there as a community of finance leaders and whether people are in a peer group doing the future CFO program or whether, you know, the CFO mm. program I run for, um, you know, new, new new people as a CFO, um, they're like cohorts of six. So again, that, that group of six interact in each of the sessions and can create that relationship outside of, of that sort of program. Um, so they really are, are the sort of ways in which you can connect with people in with similar roles or in similar industries or with similar challenges that are coming up in certain sectors. Um, you know, some people are in more sort of stable organisations and other in very, very high growth and they, they have different challenges. So it's about finding that knowledge, wisdom um, that you can tap into. Absolutely. And like you mentioned earlier, the CFO role is a lonely one. So having uh, opportunities at places like CFO Connect and CFO Grow just to connect with peers, I think is probably quite important. Now, unfortunately, we are running out of time. But before we head out, I would like to ask you, Catherine, you've shared so much good advice. And I would like to know, what is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Oh, I think the best piece of advice actually was around, you know, follow, follow your joy and follow your passion. That that is one that is sticking with me now. Um, and also find your balance. I, I think those three things are incredibly important. Um, I'm very lucky now. I mean, I do have a really good balance in my life, but that is what gives me the energy to then deliver at my absolute best in, in what I've chosen to do. And um, I really don't want it any different, any differently now. Um, I have seen the difference, you know, when I was um, slightly, you know, busier than I, when I say busier, I used to be busier, but I don't think I was achieving the same outcomes um, because I, I really wasn't giving myself enough time to really, you know, go internally, think more creatively, think sort of uh, broad, more broadly. So, um, giving yourself time, finding your balance, and I do mean that, and looking after your mind within that. So thinking about your physical health as well as your mental and emotional health. Um, that combination is what gives you the energy to then really make an impact um, in an area that you sort of love to work in, really. Wonderful. On that note, thank you very much, Catherine for sharing your time with us. Thank you to everyone in our audience. Everyone have a lovely evening or morning, depending on where you are. And uh, go follow your joy and find your balance. And uh, we'll see you very soon. Thank you, everyone. CFO Year is brought to you by CFO Connect, the fastest growing global community for finance leaders. Join us for webinars and workshops, get our expert resources, and be a part of an exclusive Slack group just for CFOs. Join the community and exchange ideas with CFOs from the most exciting companies in the world. Just visit cfoconnect.eu.